guys, my name is Vic Roman, and I'm your host for today's Alligator Zone podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Mr. Tori Smith, CEO and co-founder of Endiatax, a technology company which makes tiny pill robots that you swallow, which your doctor remotely controls throughout your body. Their website is endiatax.com. That's E-N-D-I-A-T-X dot com. Now, on to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Hi, Vikram. I'm super honored to be here to talk about endiotics and our tiny little robots. So, in simple words, what problem are you working to solve and how? Well, we feel that little tiny robots can help doctors go after all kinds of problems that can happen inside the human body. And so, when you have like a rash on your skin on the outside, it's real easy to see that there's a problem. But you know, you can also have problems inside your body. And sometimes it's really hard to see or know that there's even a problem, like, you know, like a little cancer growing. So with endiotics, we kind of hope to make like the magic school bus, a little tiny robot that can travel inside the human body safely without having to do harm, but actually to make it easy to go find problems and, and even solve them. So just to be clear, um, your company makes... Uh, robotic pills? That's right. So they're, they're about the size of a large multivitamin. And the really fun thing is that they actually have like onboard propulsion and you, you actually control it with an Xbox controller. Oh, wow. I, I feel like I've watched a TV show before where they made a robotic pill to uh, diagnose issues. Is it, that's pretty much what you're doing, right? Yeah, so in 1998, some brilliant people in Israel invented what's called the pill camera. Um, and uh, this, this is a pill that you swallow that takes pictures as it goes through the body. And what we're doing is we're adding um, propulsion so that the thing can actually move around, go backwards, forwards, turn left, right, and uh, actually give you like real-time video while you're doing it. So it's like a mini rocket inside your body. You know, it's funny you say that because uh, I'm I'm actually an aerospace engineer, and uh, I, I feel like a <laughs> I feel like a kid in a candy shop because this is just so much fun. It's just in our little universe universe that we're um, exploring is the human body. We kind of think of it almost like a submarine, you know, like sort of like a. Oh, we really do yeah. feel like it's like the magic school bus. We use yeah. um, quadcopter like propulsion technology. It's four little pump jets inside the pill and there's just little vents and you can sort of um, pump more water out of one or, or go backwards on another one and that's how we move forward and back but also that's how we turn and do all the fancy moving. So what skills did you use to start this company? Well, I, uh, I've, I must say that having a background in aerospace engineering um, led to all of the fun and success I've had in medical device because to me, like everything is an airplane or a rocket ship um, just in medical device form. Um, so a lot of the devices I've designed in the past look a lot like jet engines, even though they're actually inside blood vessels cutting plaque away and stuff like that. Um, so I, I definitely recommend um, hard, hard engineering like uh, aerospace or mechanical, stuff like that. Did you have any background in the medical field? None whatsoever. Um, I 
was lucky enough um, because my mother was a school teacher, and her school teacher friend had this son who was doing medical device uh, startups right here in in uh, Silicon Valley, and these two teachers said that their sons should meet. And so right after I finished college, I was I was given the introduction to a wonderful man named Paul Escadero, and he introduced me to startup companies, and he introduced me to medical device, and I just fell in love with the community. And so I, I actually spent my whole career uh, designing medical devices. Oh, that's cool. So how did you acquire all of these skills that you used for your company? You know, part of it comes from school itself. I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and they have an amazing concept there called learn by doing. So not only do they teach you um, all of the academic skills, but they also really encourage you to work with your hands. And so I feel like my experience at Cal Poly started me um, really sort of um, having the parallel skill set of academic and hands-on. And then later, when I found uh, things called maker spaces, which are places um, where you can go use like laser cutters and 3D printers, um, CNC machines, all sorts of cool stuff, I feel like that combination of hands-on, um, work with your hands, build stuff, combined with the book smarts is where you get really exciting possibilities. So you learned a lot in school and uh, on your own as well. Absolutely. Um, once I started working, I noticed that um, there were sort of like two tracks available. Like one track is just kind of like getting increasingly um, focused on the paperwork of, of, of doing business out in the world. And then the other was just building skills um, every day, learning new things and learning how to, uh, you know, like learn CNC machines or learn how to use a complex sewing machine. Believe it or not, I love to do CNC embroidery. It's, it's one of the most fun things I do. Um, and I, I just fell in love with making stuff. I, I would say that one of the most valuable things we have access to in the Bay Area are places called maker spaces. And a makerspace is almost like a public library, but instead of books, they have laser cutters and CNC machines, wood shop and metal shop, all sorts of cool stuff like that. And it's, it's through going to makerspaces that I was able to just keep learning and, and, and sort of stay young in my mind um, when I was working out professionally. What are CNC machines? CNC stands for Computer Numeric Control, and basically it's this magical transition from operating a machine where you know you 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 dial in the x-axis with a with a um, like a scroll wheel until you get where you want to go, and then then you then you you use the y-axis, so you're sort of moving left, moving right, moving up, moving down. CNC machines allow a computer to create beautiful three-dimensional um, paths in space. And that's how you get incredibly elegant work out of modern manufacturing machines. And the ability for a person like you or me to be able to go into a makerspace and use this equipment is, is almost unprecedented um, before, say, 10 years ago. It, it used to be technology that you would you know, you'd see NASA using, but a, a normal person like you or myself wouldn't have access to it. 
but, but thanks to makerspaces, we've been able to let anyone off the street learn how to use this amazing equipment. And it, many artists and small businesses have gotten their start now in makerspaces. Oh, wow, that's really cool. So going back in time, what were your favorite subjects in your childhood? Well, I was actually born in a dirt floor cabin in the mountains that my dad built. And uh, I was uh, sort of raised as a, as a hippie kid um, traveling around Mexico and Central America. And so a lot of my early skills were like learning how to carve wood with knives, learning how to make like a driftwood propeller that you could put out the window of the car and have it spin. Um, and uh, when, I, when I got into public school, um, after I learned how to read and write a few years later than my peers, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really quickly um, discovered that I loved math and science um, and, and anything related to engineering because it, many people like to say that mathematics is the, the one true language of the universe. And if you want to know the universe, if you want to know the world around you, um, learn math. So were you always an outdoors kid or, uh, or are you still one today? Well, I, I love the great outdoors, and I guess I can say that when I learned about things like graph paper and drafting tables and mechanical pencils and rulers and stuff like that, I very quickly started to realize that I wanted to take some of my work indoors so that I could get more precise and, and really start doing more detailed things. But ultimately, it's the ability to go out into nature that that has sort of inspired almost everything I do. I mean, for example, I still very passionately dream about building a one-person sport jet so I can fly loops around cumul cumulonimbus clouds, right? I mean, who doesn't dream about stuff like that? Um, yeah. but, it's, but it's with skills like aerospace engineering where those dreams can actually become realities. So you're obviously mm -hmm. good at math, right, since you started this robotic pill company. I should say that I have failed many math classes in my life and then gone on to tutor the same classes. So all I can say to anyone listening is if you've ever been challenged, if you've ever failed, if you've ever felt like you weren't as good at something as someone else, don't worry. Just be persistent. Try again. Get right back up. But you were saying? Uh, do you see math in nature? Like if you just walk around, do you like... All the time. I don't know. All the time. And it's funny how nature seldom um, conveys itself in straight lines. But if you look at like a little tiny um, stalk of a plant that's like unrolling and, and the leaves are kind of rolling out as they grow in this little spiral shape, that shape um, is often called the, the Fibonacci sequence, which has roots in mathematics. But it's also seen throughout nature, not just in, you know, the way plants grow or or, or animals, you know, uh, distribute themselves, but, but also in, in, like, amazing, like, swirls in, in, a, in a stream. Um, so there, there are many incredibly beautiful um, mathematical uh, expressions that, that you can see out in nature. Wow. Like, I knew, I know, I knew about the Fibonacci sequence, but, like, whenever I go out into nature, I don't really see math. I just see a bunch of organic shapes. They don't seem to have any logical sequence to me. You'd ask the question, um, 
how do I go out into nature and see mathematics right in right in front of me, right? And yeah. one of the one of the most beautiful representations um, of fractals is just look at a tree that's standing outside, and you will see a transition from one trunk to several branches to many more smaller branches, and finally to like little twigs and leaves, and the structure of that tree is, bears an uncanny resemblance to the human lungs or to the many tributaries of, say, like the Amazon River. Um, and it's amazing how across many parts of nature, similar structures seem to do a pretty good job. Um, and and it's, a, it's, it's just an example of, of how, while nature operates um, perhaps on a slightly different set of rules than, than we do as we go throughout our day, um, underlying all of it is is some very beautiful structure and symmetry. That's a very insightful point. I, had, I didn't think about it that way. You know what's interesting is so many things have not been thought of. Um, we have so much knowledge, but in terms of what we have yet to learn, my feeling is that we have so much more yet to learn than we know now. And so people like you who are young and who are going out into the world and learning new things represent um, this incredible adventure out into the unknown to, to learn and to know nature and to make contributions. I can't wait to see what the next couple of decades bring. Well, that's a lot of pressure there. but uh... <laughs> You know... One, one important thing is, at least looking back in my life, all of the, the contributions that I've ever made that were meaningful, and this could be professionally or it could be personally. For example, like, you know, I named on a few patents. I'm very proud of that. All of my best work has always come from when I was playing, when I was free, when I wasn't um, being told to to work on a specific task, all my best ideas came from moments of freedom where I was sketching or walking around and just thinking. And so I don't feel like you should ever um, feel a pressure to perform out in the world. We've all got work that we have to do, but understand that if we don't give ourselves an opportunity to play and enter what some call a flow state, um, we're not going to be able to reach our true potential. So don't feel pressure. Just go and do what feels right to you, and you will be amazed at the ideas you come up with. So you let your creativity shine, and that's when you do your best work? Absolutely. In terms of like being a worker bee, I'm, I'm not a very good worker bee, but sometimes I come up with some really fun ideas, and it's amazing to see how one wonderful idea can inspire people and bring people together and get everyone working on a common shared goal. And uh, it can be really beautiful what happens from, from, from that creative process. Wow. So did you have any hobbies as a child? Like, what did you do for fun? Um, well, my brothers and I liked to build rockets and uh, launch them at each other. Um, I. <laughs> I'm very proud to say I have all of my eyes and fingers, you know, and, but um, I must say that uh, it, it maybe was a slightly different kind of childhood. We would make, like, big shields and, 
launchers, and instead of launching rockets up, we would launch And it's always more fun if someone's on the receiving end of it. But it's not fair unless they have a shield and a bunch of rockets, too. Um, and I wouldn't say that we were operating in, you know, a reckless environment. We were just uh, operating under slightly elevated levels of, um, of, of uh, sort of, how would I say, expectation of competency on both ends. Um, but uh, no, my father was a hang glider pilot, and he would uh, jump off of mountains and fly overhead and drop little parachute guys. Um, I, I've always enjoyed um, things like motorcycles. I, I love going really fast, but I love, I, love, I love going fast with control and with grace. Um, I think as a kid I had a chance to really get out into the world and explore, and very quickly I realized I want to... I want to contribute to it, right? Like, you see an airplane fly overhead, and you think, like, hey, why is it, why are the wings straight on that airplane? You know, I wonder if we, if we angled those wings backwards, could it go any faster? You know, or people, you know, I started learning, like, hey, why are people dying of certain diseases? Or, you know, why, why are people having heart attacks because their arteries are blocked? Can't we just make a device that removes that blockage? Or, you know, hey, why... Why can't I go to space right now? You know, doesn't that seem unreasonable? Don't you want to go see the rings of Saturn up close? You know, let's let's go there. And you know, a good way to do that is you know, go go get really good at some some kind of um, subject, and maybe 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 go off to college and learn more about it, and uh, go start a company. Um, you know what? If you if you don't see your dream job out there, that's okay. You can found a company and create your dream job. So you seem to have spent your childhood uh, exploring and, I, I guess, letting your creativity shine? To the best of my ability. Um, it, it was pretty amazing seeing the transition from, you know, kind of living, living a hippie lifestyle, uh, you know, dirt floor cabins and stuff like that, and then sort of making the transition to public school and sort of, entering society at large. Um, and ultimately, I would say that there's a lot to be learned on both sides, right? Like, with, with the kind of schooling we have now, it's, it's an incredibly good opportunity to just get really good at hardcore science and mathematics. And I feel like there's even room for maybe even some more raw creativity. You know, sometimes unstructured play is where some of the best ideas come from. Um, but there, there are a lot of people working real hard to figure out how we, uh, how we raise people so they can get their full potential. Yeah, it's like in elementary school how you have um, recess. Sure. Recess is so important because it's time for you to do whatever feels right to you. Um, it always seems strange to me that someone else would have an idea of what I should be doing with my time. Um, and, and I understand that it's important that we all sort of learn certain things at certain times. But uh, I feel like sometimes people forget just how wonderful play can be, just how wonderful unstructured time can be, to, to let people really figure out what feels right for them and to go pursue it. One of my, one of my big heroes, a man named Werner von Braun, who um, was one of the, the minds behind taking us to the moon, um, he, he, was, uh, he always considered himself very poor in school 
with regards to his science and mathematics. But he just started to get really interested in rockets. And he went to his teachers and said, you know, hey, I'd like to learn more about, learn more about rockets. And they said, well, you're going to have to learn, you're going to have to get good at math. And so he said, well, this is probably one of the most scary things I've ever done. But he picked up uh, mathematics and physics books and he asked his teachers for help uh, to, to help coach him through. And he was able to turn himself into one of the great aerospace engineers of all time. Even though, you know, as a kid, he always felt like he was, you know, far from the smartest kid in the class or definitely not the best at math or, or science. But he just was wanted he to build rockets and he wanted to go to the moon. Was he also your hero throughout your childhood or uh, did you have any different ones? Oh, man, so many heroes. So Werner von Braun, who wanted to go to the moon, there's an amazing man named Bert Rutan who in the 1980s um, started building really weird airplanes out in the desert. And ultimately, he ended up building an airplane called Voyager, which flew all the way around the world on one tank of gas. And then later, he decided he wanted to build uh, the first uh, privately owned spacecraft. And he actually built a, a small spaceship called Spaceship One, which uh, flew all the way into space and back with, uh, with some people. I actually have the pleasure of knowing. Um, wow. And uh, it's funny because uh, his, his company, Scaled Composites, is just this tiny little company out in the Mojave Desert. And the, it's just a group of people who love to build weird airplanes. So what kind of books, movies, uh, any sports did, that you enjoyed as a child? Well, um, I would say that the, the number one book from my childhood, um, the biggest influencer on me, was A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. A Brief History of Time is an amazing introduction to the laws of physics and to the greater universe beyond planet Earth. And it's written in such a way that almost anyone can read along and, and not feel intimidated by the underlying math. And I would say that was one of the biggest contributors to me feeling like I could become like an engineer or a scientist. Um, in terms of movies that really inspired me, uh, there was a movie in the 1980s called Inner Space where they shrink down a, a submarine in, and they inject it into a, 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 a man and, and they swim around inside his bloodstream. And that's, that movie, along with a movie called Fantastic Voyage, um, and, and even The Matrix, all of those movies involved um, machines going inside the human body. And it really got me thinking, you know, why do we, why do we still, uh, you know, do medicine where we, like, poke holes in people and slide long, skinny catheters inside them? What if you could just have the tip of the catheter minus the catheter? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, so I'm, yeah. I kind of envision a near future where we have, like, rice grain-sized robots that can go throughout the human body to diagnose and treat illness. So could you say that those movies were the start of your inspiration? Absolutely. Um, a, another movie that meant a lot to me as a kid was called The Right Stuff. Um, there's a book by the same name. The author is Tom Wolfe, and The Right Stuff covers um, the early space program and our transition from the world of test pilots to the world of astronauts. 
and uh, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing movie because it tells the story of the early space program and uh, all of the the technical and and personal challenges that it took to accomplish that. Wow. So, can you recall any specific incidents or people that resulted in tr- that resulted in like turning points which helped you in your journey? Absolutely. Um, until I met a man named Paul Escadero, I thought my um, future was designing airplanes. Um, but then I met I met Paul, and Paul was designing medical devices. And more than that, he was designing medical devices in companies that he himself had founded. And the concept of saying, rather than looking for a company to get a job at, realizing that you could start a company and you could create that job was amazing to me. And Paul taught me how to, uh, he taught me how startup companies work. And he taught me how a group of three or five or ten people can do, um, in many ways, the work that a 100,000-person company can do. And how in small groups where people work together and respect each other and care about what, what the other folks are working on, um, you are able to innovate and create new things in, in a way that is almost impossible when you're working with a, a huge group of people. And so I, I'm so grateful to Paul Escudero because he introduced me to the world of startup companies. And I, I feel like if I hadn't met Paul, there's a chance that I would have never known my own potential as someone who could found a company. So he was the starter of your career? Yes. I started working for Paul as an intern, and I was making 15 bucks an hour. And he said, Tori, you can work as much overtime as you want. And I was able to actually earn some pretty good money that way. And they just let me go into the machine shop and, and cut metal and bolt stuff together and try different ideas. You know, and a lot of my ideas didn't work, but some of them worked really well. And being able to work with someone that is excited about what you might create next feels so good. It feels so good to see other people have faith in you as a, as a creative person and as someone who shares the, the dream and the, and the vision of saving lives with innovation. It's like someone who wants you to succeed. And- Absolutely. And in, a, in small startup companies, um, there just aren't enough people to cover for anyone who, who doesn't really love the concept. Um, and so it's, it's critical that you learn how to be kind to each other and you learn how to um, see other people's problems as your problems. Because if we um, sort of create boundaries uh, where you just don't care what's on the other side of the fence, there's no way a little tiny company can survive. It's, it's just like a family. Right? If your brother or your sister is um, is doing really well, but they need they need to be able to uh, to you know to to take the dog out, you know you got to let them have the dog, or else they're not going to be able to do what they need to do. Um, it, startup companies are like little families, and um, and and some of the most amazing things in the world today were created by very small groups of people. Um, for example, like Google was once just just a you know Sergey and and uh, and this good friend Larry, who felt like 
they had some really interesting code that might be able to help people find things on the Internet better than other people were doing. Um, there was a time when, when Google was just two, two friends who had a really interesting idea. Yeah. So do you have any advice that you would give to your younger self knowing what you know now? Absolutely. Um, when I was young, my family was very poor. And I often felt like that was um, a strike against me. I often looked at people who had more than I did, and, and I, I couldn't help but feeling kind of sad or even angry sometimes, you know, that I, that I was so poor. And it took me many years to let go of those feelings. And in that time, um, I wish uh, that I could have been less uh, sad about those things because being very poor also forced me to be very creative. And looking back, I realize almost all of my contributions come from um, my experiences as a child, learning how to make do with what I had, not just to survive, but to thrive. So if I could go back to my younger self, I would say, Tori, it's going to be okay. Your challenges are actually your biggest strengths. You don't have to feel like you're lacking for anything. Go out into the world and live and be the best person you can. Everything's going to be awesome. That's what I would say. If you came from a wealthy family, do you think that you would be in the same place that you are now? You know, it, I feel like the world unfolds in an amazing um, and incredibly complicated fractal, meaning that if you could go back in time, which we cannot do, um, and, and restart from a certain moment, the world would probably unfold very differently, right? Um, some people say that when a butterfly flaps its wings, the little stirring of air current you know, can change the weather on the other side of the planet. Um, so in, in my opinion, um, all we have is where we are right now. Um, so if someone is coming from like a very wealthy family, they may very well um, have access to tools that can allow them to do very interesting things. Um, there's nothing wrong with coming from, you know, some, some, some wealth. Just like when you come from, you know, being very poor, you often are forced to be so incredibly creative. Um, and it's by learning where your strengths are and making friends and learning how to bring in people with different kinds of strengths that can complement each other that we can actually do really big things. So I, I've learned that you can never know um, who is going to come up with the next great idea. All you can do is be kind to the people around you to the best of your ability and allow brilliant ideas to, to happen. And when you see someone working on something amazing, if it's not something that you created, that is so okay. Because if you're the first person to, to recognize the greatness of what they're working on and you can give them credit and tell other people what they're doing and that they should be excited, then you are now a part of that journey. And your ability to see someone else's brilliance and shine the light on them is also one of the great gifts that we can give as humans. So we should never feel 
like we only have to be the person with all the good ideas. Uh, that would be such a boring world. It's amazing when you can see what other people bring to the world. Yeah, you have to be open-minded. Absolutely. So, final question. In your view, how should school kids prepare for future careers in your industry? Do weird stuff, all right? Um, adults are going to do their best to give kids structured learning in order to do well. But all adults really know is what their own experiences have been. And those experiences are usually many years old. Young people today and any time um, have more of a grip on what the future is going to look like than anyone else. So what I would say is follow your heart. If you're interested in something, go ahead and do it, even if it seems weird. For example, I love <laughs> I love to make glitter t-shirts. It's one of it's something I do for fun. I, I have a, a vinyl cutter that cuts out the glitter and then I hot press it with the iron onto the shirt. And some people would say like, shouldn't you be building robots instead of making t-shirts? And what I say is, I make t-shirts that have the name of my company on it. And when I go out in public and people see that name and they know what it means and they, they know that I'm working on robots, I know that the robot work is, is working and, and that this dream of tiny robots is starting to spread into the, the, the public psyche. Um, and so you should never be ashamed for doing something that feels right, that's creative, even if uh, it doesn't quite line up with what other people expect of you. Um, so pursue, this, pursue the strange, pursue the different. Um, you don't necessarily have to subscribe to all of the structure around you. Um, but if you can be positive while you do it and not um, um, be negative and judge others for, for doing what they're doing, then you're going to have a really happy life. You know, find a way to, uh, to, to follow your own heart, but also um, encourage and respect the choices of others around you. Wow, that's an incredibly in-depth answer. There's no, there's no easy solution, you know, to, uh, to, to living life except for maybe just that golden rule, right? If, we're, if we can find ways to be kind to other people and to foster them and encourage them, then we will be building the kind of world that we all deserve to live in. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on this podcast. It was incredibly informative, and I think it got me to look at the world a little differently. Vikram, it's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you so much for your time.